It's time for Jenna Longoria, the period guru. That's right. If you have period pain, if you have cramps, this interview is going to be really great for you because we're about to talk about that. Also, insulin. Why insulin and your blood sugar levels are so super important for your PMDD relief and pain. Pain what is a pain a sign of? We're about to get into all of this and also really great tips for if you have endo, PCOS, great tips if you are feeling a little bit wary about your birth control pill, how to get off of it, what to look out for, and also what can you use instead of the pill that's hormone free? Oh my gosh, so many things. I cannot wait to ask Jenna all these questions. Here we go. Welcome to the PMDD Healing Summit, where the world's top experts share hope, guidance, and next steps for your PMDD healing journey. And today I am absolutely honored and happy to introduce y'all to Jenna Longoria. And y'all might know Jenna because she is the period guru. Yes, she is a guru for periods. That's why she's here. She's going to talk with us. And Jenna is a board certified functional nutrition practitioner specializing in menstruators hormones. She was listed by the Huffington Post as one of the top 20 health writers to follow. Her work has been featured in Mind Body Green on NBC in the Elephant Journal at South by Southwest. And she is also the author of The Period Solution, a 28-day hormone balancing guide. I mean, so much good stuff. And through her virtual private practice in one-on-one and group coaching programs, Jenna helps menstruators reclaim their hormones and digestive health with a multidisciplinary approach, combining functional medicine, nutrition, and diagnostic lab testing. And this is it right here. Jenna is a firm believer that the right diet and lifestyle can put any hormone condition into remission. Jenna, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Charisma. That was such a lovely introduction and enthusiastic. And thank you. Happy to be here. I'm so glad you're here because you know that that last sentence right there, that's why you are here because you believe that we can we can do this. We can put our hormonal condition into remission. And that's why everybody's right here watching and listening to this interview. Could you share a little bit just about your journey and why you're so super passionate about supporting menstruators with their period problems? I would love to. Um, I just had such a a difficult time when I started menstruation when I was around 12 years old. And um, I now know that I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, also known as PCOS or PCOS, and I have endometriosis. So it explains a lot, but that took until my 20s to actually get a diagnosis. So because I had a lot of issues, I was put on the hormonal birth control pill at 12 and not 12, I'm sorry, 14. And 12 is when I started menstruating. 12 would be really bad, but still is 14 that much better, you know? And uh, so I was still pretty much a child and put on these hormones that, you know, turn off our hormones and our connection to our infradian rhythms. And I had the worst reaction to it. I became depressed, especially those last two weeks of my 
you know, withdrawal bleed, those last two weeks of the 28 day pill pack, just horrible depression. And, um, I gained a lot of weight, which in middle school is the worst thing ever. Right. (laughs) And, um, you know, I just became a completely different person. I became this person that was really into sports and theater and debate to someone who didn't want to be speaking in front of people. just wanted to be inside and read books all day there's nothing wrong with reading books, but that's like all I did. Um, And it wasn't until my twenties that I was like, you know, I don't want to be on this anymore. And I don't know why I listened to my intuition and I got off the pill and I wish I could say it was just like a really rainbows and unicorns after that, but it really wasn't because I didn't know me now. If I knew me now, it wouldn't have had to been such an unpleasant journey, but we now know that there's something called post birth control syndrome after getting off the pill, when your hormones are kind of trying to regulate themselves and, which is what led me to go back to school to study nutrition and become a functional nutritionist. I was actually on the route to be, um, uh, I was a associate producer for a political show in Washington, DC at this point. And that was like my whole career was journalism and politics. And my body was betraying me. I was so cut off from my body. And I just was like, I need to figure out what I need to do because no doctor could give me the answers that I was seeking and looking for. It was just kind of like, Oh, just get back on the pill or get, take some Prozac or all of this. And I knew there had to be a better way. And I found a better way. And now I, my passion is sharing that with other menstruators to find a better way. Thank you for sharing that. I know we can really relate to that as PMDD peeps, that feeling of like my body is betraying me that really, that really resonated with me. So you say that um, period problems are more than just period problems. They're quality of life problems. Could you share a little bit more about that? What you mean by that? Absolutely. It's like, we're told that periods are supposed to be painful. Like that's just normal, you know? So if, and you know, a little bit of light cramping on the first or second day, that is normal, especially if you take an Advil and it goes away. Ideally, we don't want to have to take Advil, but having crippling pain, um, you know, where we miss work or school is not normal. It might be common, but not normal. And it's much more than just pain. I mean, period problems show up in an array of issues, as you know, with PMDD, where you have depression that is debilitating for half of the month, that is much more than just a period problem. I feel like when we just say it's a period problem, it undermines the severity of the whole issue. Um, And so these, and also it's much more than period problems because our period is our fifth vital sign. So it's showing, it's a barometer of our overall health. So if we're having these issues like mood issues or pain, it's our body's way of communicating to us that there's something not in harmony with with our body, whether it be emotional, spiritual, physical, nutrition wise, maybe all of the above. Wow. Yes, because it does influence our entire life. And I know in the PMBD community, when we have that luteal phase and we tear everything down with our anger, our rage, or we go hide or we have anxiety, then we need to make up for that the next two weeks. So it just it yeah. bleeds into everything. And let's jump right into that. You're saying that period pain is not normal. So what's no. your what can we do about our period pain? I know you have a beautiful download, y'all free download from Jenna, her guide to pain-free period. So talk a little bit about us. Why is that not normal? And what can we do? 
Yeah. Well, cause you know, pain is a sign of inflammation and inflammation in the body is never a good thing. Inflammation leads to all disease, you know, disease in the body and, and we're not at ease. And, and that's, it all starts with inflammation. So we want to work on basically lowering that inflammation. So it's something like, you know, when we, when we have pain and we want something to work right then acute care, we would take uh, you know, an ibuprofen, right? Yeah. But what we want to do is in the whole month, support our body so that we don't have that inflammation of a painful period when the period starts. So things like taking magnesium is very beneficial, drinking raspberry leaf tea, ginger root tea. These are all elements that um, herbs that can lower inflammation, minerals that can lower inflammation in the body. And, you know, um, inflammation shows up in so many ways. It's incredible. So I think it would be, you know, working on lowering inflammation would be the best place to start for sure. Wow. I just wrote this down and I hope y'all have your journals and your notebooks. Pain is a sign of inflammation that that just blew me away. So you were just, you know, sharing some foods we could take. What are some other foods we can take for, you know, that influence our period health? Like what's the connection there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the food we eat is the building block of our body. So it, and it, and we are what we digest. I love that Ayurveda, you know, saying is we are what we digest. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you are what you eat, but no, because I see, I have clients that eat beautiful diets and they come to me and I, I don't understand. And we find out they have a lot of gut infections. And so they're not able to digest the foods that they're eating. And we are foods can either, if you're looking at a food, it can either cause inflammation in the body or cool inflammation in the body. So foods such as, you know, like vegetable oils, um, you know, these polyunsaturated fats or these, they're not shelf stable fats. And usually they're found in those big, you know, industrial sized jars, restaurants tend to cook with them. And they cause inflammation in the body. So it'd be like vegetable oils, soybean oils, canola oils. We really don't want to be cooking with those. You want to use oils that are anti, have anti-inflammatory properties like olive oil, avocado oil, coconut oil, butter, ghee. These are going to promote, um, you know, are, are going to lower inflammation within the body. Okay. So it's all about that inflammation. You're yeah. saying um, some foods to add. Is there some things that we should take out? Or I know some people are not an advocate of talking about what we can't have, but are there some <laughs> things where people should have less of? Well, definitely those oils I described. I think that's one of the biggest swaps because Great. it's just swapping one for the other. And um, also the, you know, so I, I would say I do not feel, and I, I get what you're saying. I, I, I generally tend to be kind of an uh, add in instead of take out, you know, talking in positives rather, rather restrict than restrictions. Uh, and so I would say that definitely those oils have no place as polyunsaturated, you know, oils as PUFAs we call them. Um, so focus on the, on the anti-inflammatory oils I listed, uh, you know, a um, foods that we'd want to add in would be foods that are very high and nutrient dense. So when you're looking at something, I always like to think, what is this exchange here? When I'm creating my plate or I'm cooking, I'm like, what am I getting out of this? Mm -hmm. And I like to see the building blocks of, I really fat protein fiber, you know? So if, 
it does this, does this, you know, food offer me at least 20 to 30 grams of protein? If yes, then I'm very happy with that because we want to be getting at least 20 or 30 grams of protein at each meal because that balances our blood sugar and our blood sugar is very important because that influences our insulin, which is really, when you think about hormone health, that's the first hormone that we need to balance because if our blood sugar is not balanced, then the rest of our hormones, our cortisol, our progesterone, our estrogen, they will not be balanced. So making sure we get 20 to 30 grams of protein at each meal, um, 30 grams of fiber a day. And so looking at your foods, like, do they have this or not? So that's kind of how, you know, I, I encourage people to approach their food intake. That's really interesting that you say that with the insulin. So that just something just popped up in my mind. When like sometimes in the mornings, you know, I don't eat right away. Like I go teach yoga and I do some other things. Are there things that we accidentally do that make our yeah. insulin like spike and drop? Is there anything you Absolutely. can recommend that we do to keep our insulin in a more healthy balance? Absolutely. And I, I understand I, for, you know, I'm an Ashtanga yoga practitioner. So we practice on an empty stomach. We practice in the morning and I did that for many years and it wasn't until just a, you know, a few years ago that I let that go of not of practicing on an, on an empty stomach. And so what I've done to work for me is I, because generally just to preface why I have changed that, the reason I've changed that is because, you know, there's a lot of research on intermittent fasting mm -hmm. and most of that research has been done on males not female physiology. And so males do really good with long intermittent fasting, but females bodies, we just don't uh, receive it as well. And it can elevate our stress hormones and lower our sex hormones. And so smaller, you know, fasts are okay. But what I recommend, especially if you're exercising or going along and it's fasting in the evenings. So eating dinner earlier and allowing a longer fasting time in the evening. And then while you're sleeping throughout the night, but eating breakfast within 60 minutes of waking up. And so what I did with the yoga practice, cause I get it. You don't want to go teach yoga or practice yoga with a full stomach. So what I do is I have my hot cacao in the morning. I have my um, ceremonial cacao and I add a tablespoon of maple syrup to that for a carb. Yeah. And then the cacao is, oh my gosh, so many minerals, iron, magnesium, potassium. It's just a beautiful array of minerals. And then I add um, a scoop of collagen powder for protein. And so I'm, you know, I eat animal products. I know everyone else doesn't. There's marine collagen. You know, you could do a plant-based protein powder if you wanted to add that. Yeah. And I mix that together. And so then I feel like, well, I'm already, I already was going to drink a hot drink before yoga practice anyway. I might as well add some things. So then it's giving, giving me enough nourishment to go do my yoga practice and then come home and have a proper breakfast. And that wow. will balance your blood sugar level first thing in the morning. Wow. Such good and practical tips. Y'all write it down or rewind it and listen to that again. And I'm going to change my routine starting tomorrow morning. <laughs> Jenna, thanks for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> All right. You were speaking about the pill. So let's mm. talk a little bit about the pill, right? Because you got prescribed the pill to fix your period problems. So does the pill really fix period problems? No, not at all. That's, that's the thing. It actually takes away your period. You're not having a period when you're on the pill, you're having a withdrawal bleed because we need to ovulate in order to have a period. So what the hormonal birth control pill or hormonal IUD or shot or patch, what it's doing is it's taking away, shutting off your body's hormones and it's replacing them with synthetic hormones. And what that does is it shuts off ovulation, which is our life force, which is 
you know, we, how we make progesterone, which is very important, especially for females with PMDD, because progesterone is this hormone that is our, and it's our chill pill. It lowers anxiety. We show if you have lower progesterone levels, you can have more anxiety, more irritability. Um, and so we need this project. It nourishes our bones, our brains, our thyroid, and we do not make it if we're on hormonal birth control. So it's, it's taking away our periods. It's not fixing our period problems. It's really just putting just this bandaid on the issue. It's making everyone happy because, oh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm on the pill for irregular periods. Now my, now I bleed every 28 days. So I, it looks nice. Right. Or I used to have really bad acne. And now when I got on the pill, I don't have it anymore. So everyone, you know, it's, I used to have really painful periods and now I'm on the pill and I don't anymore. And I get it. It's a very, it's, it's a, it's very, like tempting because it's getting rid of these problems short-term, but what it's doing is it's accruing these health issues that are just going to hit you hard later on in life. If you just keep on borrowing time like that with the birth control pill. And what I see is I see females getting off the pill when they're ready to start a family, but they've been on this for like a decade, just chronically. And then they have issues conceiving because it takes a long time for their hormones to start working again. Yeah. Wow. So you were just saying, you know, that it's like, um, it feels like an easy fix. So, you know, are people with PMDD, like for me, it was my anger. It was my anxiety and depression. If I could just pop a pill (laughs) and have it kind of go away, what would you say to someone who's, you know, kind of in that mindset, like, oh, but it will make my stuff go away. What can we, what can we offer? Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And it's always never feeling guilty with your decision. I feel like it's owning your decision. So having the informed consent and knowing how it's working, what I see, especially with my clients as PMDD is that what they've been offered in traditional medicine and the Western medicine complex is birth control and an antidepressant. Those are like the two things that are, are given. And What I see with these females is that if we go to the root cause and we see what's going on, there's generally a lot of gut infections that are influencing the neurotransmitters in our body. So most of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut. So think about, you know, serotonin and GABA, all of dopamine. These are all made in our gut. So if we have a lot of gut infections, we won't be able to make enough. And so we'll have these imbalances, anxiety and depression. Um, and then remember I talked about progesterone earlier. The only way we make progesterone is by ovulating. So by having enough progesterone, we can have it, 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 it connects to our GABA receptors. It makes us more calm. And if we don't have enough, it can make us very anxious. So by restoring progesterone levels and gut health, we can help balance these mood swings. So maybe, you know, cause there isn't, there are different components. PMDD is a little bit more complex than PMS, but what I've seen for clients, I've seen it happen many times is instead of the day after ovulation, because generally PMDD starts in the luteal phase, the last two weeks of the menstrual cycle. So after ovulation, there's this shift because females brains with PMDD are very sensitive to those hormone fluctuations. Um, and there's something to do with the, the GABA receptors are also influenced in that. But what I see is with after we restore gut health and progesterone levels and estrogen levels, maybe they just have irritability two or three days before their period, like a normal PMS versus this, this great divide, this great shift. Yes. 
Okay. So it's possible. That's, that's why I say with the root cause. So, you know, if someone's taking the pill and Prozac now, because it's making them function and they have kids to take care of or a job to keep, yeah. do what you need to do. But what I would say is pursue, you can start working on your gut health with a practitioner while on uh, the pill and Prozac. And then when you're ready and you feel better then maybe you can start weaning off the SSRI when you're ready in tandem with your doctor and your practitioner doing the gut work. And then eventually when you're ready to get off the pill, you can do that too and restore your hormonal rhythm. So baby steps, you know. Thank you. That was really helpful because I know sometimes there's so much guilt around, um, you know, taking medication or such a stigma, but you know, it's like, do what you need to start working on that gut health beautiful thank you so much for sharing that and let's talk about this because you mentioned that earlier when someone goes off the pill there's it's a thing called post-birth control syndrome what is that how does that show itself yeah so it's an umbrella of symptoms it can show up as uh, a resurgence of acne depression painful periods um absence of period periods you know uh, amenorrhea going without a period for months Uh, These are, you know, autoimmune issues. So these are all, it can be, generally it shows up in females in so many different ways. So that's why it's a syndrome because there's so many different symptoms. Um, And it's basically just because first of all, your body's withdrawing from the hormones in the, in the pill. And so you're going kind of through puberty again, to be honest, you know, and it's even worse. It's even worse, you know, especially now what we see are these females that, are prescribed the pill like I was at 14. Now that's much more common. So it takes a few years for our brain and our ovaries to connect and establish a rhythm. And so if we shut that off with birth control pill, when that's happening, you're going to have to do that at another point. So if you took the pill from 15 to 30, at 30, you're going to have to put in that time of that puberty of, of connecting with your hormonal rhythm. Um, and then also the pill, you know, in, in all t- types of hormonal birth control, they deplete nutrients, mm. they destroy the good bacteria in the gut mm. and having those nutrient deficiencies for so long can present problems. We also, there's, there's tons of research that support that, you know, females that are on hormonal birth control are more, um, at more risk for autoimmunity. Uh-huh. And so it's just, you know, it's really just repairing, restoring and loving the body. I don't want this to scare anyone to get off hormonal birth control. I mean, I did it. I helped, I've helped many women do it as well. And they're fine. I think it's just going into it with the knowledge of what you need to do to support your body. And then you'll be fine because your body knows how to get back to homeostasis. Your body is incredible. Yes. Your body knows exactly. So if somebody's feeling a little queasy about their pill, you know, they've been kind of like had it in the back of their mind. And now they're hearing you say this, what tips can you give someone to quit hormonal birth control? What, what have you seen there in your practice? Well, definitely we want to support the liver. So I know with my clients, when we get them off hormonal birth control, I always put them on a little liver detox um, to support the liver. So we want to just increase bile flow. So maybe taking digestive bitters um, or apple cider vinegar before meals, uh, eating plenty of bitter greens, dandelion root tea, opening up our detox pathways. So our that's we, we detox through sweat, through poop, through pee. Um, you know, sweating, maybe getting an infrared sauna, uh, castor oil packs are excellent um, and dry brushing, anything that can 
that can uh, encourage the lymphatic system to move, jumping on a trampoline. These are ways that we're going to detox, right? So supporting our liver and detoxing. And then you've got, you've got to do that first. And then second of all, you want to start replenishing because you're going to be nutrient deficient. Mm -hmm. I a hundred percent, if you're getting off hormonal birth control, B vitamins, magnesium, selenium, zinc. So just getting a full array of, you know, you might even want to take some um, supplements for a little bit to kind of restore all of those. And, um, and I, that's where I would be. I would definitely start, get your thyroid tested. Just look into your thyroid because most people getting off of birth control pill, their, their side, their thyroid's a little bit low and supporting that. So that's where I would start. I mean, I know that's a lot right here, but, uh, you know, but it just, it's, it's just really just encouraging liver. You're looking, loving your liver, loving Loving your your liver. liver. That's beautiful. And detoxing. So basically we're, are we like detoxing almost like a poison out of our body? Is that why we're doing it? Or are we detoxing just to support our body to take the the shift in a more easy way? Yeah, both like getting the synthetic hormones out of our body. And then also there's, there's a lot of gut work that's going to have, that's going to be done, you know, after the pill. And so we have to have our liver working properly in order to support any, you know, Cause there's a lot of detox and we do gut work. There's a lot of detox there as well. So beautiful. Thanks for that. That was some really great details and with the supplements in there and everything. Okay. So I'm go, I go off the pill. So how do I not get pregnant? <laughs> what do you recommend? Or I, I think you made a post, right? What you kind of use hormone, what kind of hormone free birth control can we use? Yeah. So I, I use something called the fertility awareness method mm-hmm. and It is a form of non-hormonal birth control where basically you chart your three fertility signs, which are cervical fluid, uh, basal body temperature, and cervical position. Um, Some people just do the first two. So I do the first two cervical position, uh, cervical fluid and basal body temperature. And I chart those every day so that I can identify my fertile window because we're really, we, when we ovulate, we're fertile for 24 hours. So that, that egg is viable for 24 hours. However, sperm can live inside of us for five days. So that's why we have this window of anywhere from eight to 11 days. Um, And so, you know, it's identifying your fertile window so that when you are having sex during that time, then maybe using a barrier method or abstaining from sex during that time, however, doing another type of sex versus vaginal intercourse, so those are our options, but it's worked for me. I've been using it for more than a decade. It's 99.6% effective. Um, and in my guide, my free guide, I have some information on that. And I have some free work resources on my website too. Um, I have actually a free birth control one-on-one masterclass on my website that talks about that in more depth and then all the other hormone birth control and non-hormonal birth control options. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And what really came to me was there's only a a kind of a short amount of wind, like a short window where we can get pregnant, but yet we bombard our body all the time with this hormonal birth control. So I Mm -hmm. think that's really interesting. The method you were talking about. So y'all go check it out. Fairly important. So here we go. Let's switch to something that I hear a lot of people in the PMDD community speak about, and it's fatigue. Mm. really like just such low energy. So what could be the source of that and how can people maybe work on or do something to increase their energy levels? 
Well, you know, if energy is low, there's a lot of different factors. It's so it's, it's, you know, and a lot of times it's more than just one issue. Um, but a lot of times, you know, I would look into adrenal health. Yeah. So our cortisol levels throughout the day, our stress hormones, our immune system, um, how are those working? So working with a practitioner, you can have those measured and see what are our, my cortisol levels doing throughout the day, which are, you know, our stress hormones. So um, how is our immune system working, which 85% of our immune system is located in the gut. So there we go back to the gut again, right? So if these get low, then we start to have chronic fatigue. And we, it takes a long time to recover. We wake up tired. We're tired throughout the rest of the day. So doing things like making sure your blood sugar is balanced by eating 20 to 30 grams of protein at each meal is very helpful. Um, eating within 60 minutes of waking up in the morning is very helpful for balancing blood sugar because our blood sugar and cortisol, which is our stress hormone are related to each other. So, um, that's what I, you know, that's one place I would, I would start and just making sure you're going to bed at the same time, you know, around the same time every night, waking up at the similar time in the morning, getting eight hours of sleep, um, you know, ideally going to bed before 11 PM because when we sleep is also our liver is, is regenerating and, and, and detoxing in the middle of the night around, I think it's like 11 PM to 3 AM. Our glymphatic system, which is how our brain gets rid of waste, is working at night. That's the only time when we're in that deep sleep. That's the only time that that happens. So if you're not getting enough deep sleep, you're going to have brain fog and fatigue because your brain is not detoxing. Um, and just making sure you're living in harmony with, with the circadian rhythm, with nature, you know, getting sunshine on your face in the beginning of the day, um, avoiding junk light at night. Mm. You know, the blue lights, the artificial lights, the throw our, our hormones out of whack. So having those orange glasses that you see people wear sometime at night, if you're going to be on the computer or watching Netflix, um, trying to turn off electronics an hour for, before bed, these are all little baby steps that are going to help increase your energy levels. Thank you yeah. for that. That's again, practical tools, very awesome for the fatigue. And I just want to do a little side question because I see this a lot in our PMDD forums, people talking about PCOS and, and endo a lot. And I know, you know, this was your personal journey. Is there something, something you can give them that really helped you that worked for you? I know this is a totally, totally random side thing, but I feel called to ask about that mm. because it's a big topic for our community as well. Yeah, well, it was definitely working on eating to support my hormones, you know, especially with polycystic ovarian syndrome, we're prone to insulin resistance. So we just have to learn a little bit different language. You know, some people can eat a croissant and have no issues. If I just ate a croissant by myself, you know, I would have a blood sugar drop. I mean, it would cause my blood sugar to go really elevate and then drop below baseline. And then that's where I get the, you know, the hangry, the anxiety, and then the irritability when my blood sugar drops. So now I know looking back when I was younger, I was having, I had so many mood swings was all blood sugar related. And so it was really learning a different way. Like I make sure to always pair a fat or, and protein with my carbs if I was going to eat a croissant, I would just, I would make sure I have some butter with it or, you know, uh, you know, some cheese for protein, or if I'm going to have pancakes, I don't just, if I ate regular pancakes for breakfast, I would crash in 
two hours and just feel jittery and shaky because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so what I do is I add protein to my pancakes and I make them gluten-free because I'm gluten-free, you know, for personal reasons, but um, personal health reasons, but I add protein to my, to my pancakes. So then, Hey, and I put some Greek yogurt on top. So, and I don't drown them with maple syrup. So I'm actually adding protein and fat so that my blood sugar stays stable. And I don't care if you have PCOS or not. Most people should be doing that. It's better for our hormones. Um, So learning that different language of eating balanced my blood sugar, which helped me restore ovulation because in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, because their blood sugar is so elevated and they make so much, they become, they make so much insulin, it shuts off ovulation. So by balancing our blood sugar with diet, we can restore ovulation. That's how it works. And with endometriosis, blood sugar, there's a lot to tie in that balancing blood sugar helps with endometriosis. Most of the research now is showying that there's an autoimmune component that's to to endometriosis. So gut health is very important with people with endometriosis, making sure that the immune system is fortified by looking into gut health, clearing up any hidden infections or parasites or bacteria. Um, That's really a good place to start. But there's so much hope. I mean, I used to have the most painful periods and I used to, when I did have a period, you know, and, and uh, just so many issues like chronic body pain and joint pain, which we know with endometriosis happens too. And, um, and now I, I really, you know, I, yeah, I have some bad months, some bad cycles, maybe two or three a year, they might be more painful than others, but nothing how they used to be. Mm. And for the most part, they're on time, they're effortless. And that was something that I was told that would never be possible without the use of medical with pharmaceuticals. And so I'm going on, you know, eight years of proving those people wrong. So there's hope for everyone. And it's not like I'm a special unicorn because I see it for my clients all the time. They get the same results. So it's, it's possible for each and every one of us. Awesome. Well, that leads me into this, this question, because, you know, your book, The Period Solution, I feel every menstruator should have that in their shelf anyway, but they can also work with you one-on-one and in group programs. Um, could you tell us how someone can, can work with you? Because I know you've just been, you've been bringing the goods here and people are like, how can I, how can I get in touch with Jenna? How can they work with you? Well, yeah, I would, you know, I love my group programs coming up and I just love my group program. It's The Period Solution. And I always bring on twice a year, I host this group and I bring on a group of 15 uh, menstruators and we just have this lovely just community because we support one another. So we're meeting, you know, weekly with coaching calls and then everyone gets a one-on-one, a private test result session because uh, a hormone test is included in the program. So we get to see what's going on with the stress hormones, as we mentioned, the adrenals, all the sex hormones. Um, and we learn everything to be empowered. So it's really, it's not a dictatorship where I tell you what to do and this is what you do. That's, that's not how I work. It's, it's more of empowering with information to know how your body works and how you can support it and tap into that intuition and support yourself after the program is over indefinitely. Um, and so that starts May 3rd, actually. So enrollment is still open for like another week. And so if you want to, you know, I, I guess you'll put a link in the show notes and you can also find me on Instagram at the period guru. So I'm really active on there. So I'd love to connect there as well. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I will put the link below y'all go check that out, go join. And also, yes, please follow the period guru because 
your posts are just there. They're just pure gold and they're fun and your energy is so wonderful. So we are at time. I could go on talking with you forever. And I know everybody wants to listen to more, but do you have any words of hope or encouragement for someone who's suffering from PMDD right now? Yeah, I do. I, you know, first of all, that this too shall pass. Mm. That has helped me so much, not just on my journey, but just in life in general. Um, and, and, you know, not judging yourself and feeling guilty. I feel like we judge it when we're feeling this way and knowing that, you know what, we're going to do the best we can right now, getting into the body, feeling the sensations that you're feeling when you're having these lows, identifying with that. And knowing that your body can heal, your, your body is 100% capable of healing. You just, it, it's just asking for your help with these signs. This is this way of asking for help to like, hey, we need to put on our detective hats. There's something missing here. There's a missing piece, or we need support in this area, whether it be releasing past traumas or tweaking um, your diet a little bit or all of the above. So just know that this will pass and, you know, there's, there are better days ahead. 100%. Thank you for those words. Your body is asking for help, y'all. Oh, thank you, Jenna, for being here, for sharing your wisdom. Get the free guide. Check out and join the Period Solution Program. Jenna, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Charisma. This was such a delight talking with you. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm so grateful. All right, y'all. Go out there, start listening to your body and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Hi, it's Charisma. If this expert interview inspired you or helped you in any way, please consider leaving a five-star review with your insights so other PMDD warriors like you can find these interviews and benefit from them too. You're awesome, and thank you so much for being a part of this community. And remember, relief is possible. Okay, bye.